You're listening to a Wheeler Centre podcast. You look back in your journey and you realise that some of the decisions and the things you say are not even your thoughts. There's something that tells you way beyond the intellect. This is a special live recording of Jen Cloer's new podcast, Everybody's Trying to Find Their Way Home, presented as part of Spring Fling. <laughs> Kia ora ngā huia. Uh, kia ora tātou e te whānau, kua tai mai nei i tēnei rā. E ai ki te whakatauki, he taonga te reo. Ngā mihi nui ki āio. Nana te kore, nana te pō, nana hoki te ao i whakatinana. E mihiana, e mihiana. He mihi tēnei nāku ki te tangata moimoia. Nāti Wurundjeri me te Nātri Bunwarang. Ngā kaitiaki o te whenua a tāhua. He e mihiana, e mihiana. Ko pepiha toku tēnei. Ko hautia, ko hautia ki toku maunga. Te tauai, te awa, whangaroa te moana. Ngāpui rāua ko Natikahu ki whangaroa oku iwi. Whānau pāni, toku hapū. Tom rāua ko Dorothy Ehrlich Kloa oku mātua. Ko Huriata, Jen, toku ingoa. E noho nei au ki nāam, kei runga i ngā whenua Nāti Wurundjeri. Ka tuku mihi a hau, Welcome everyone uh, to our live podcast recording of Everybody's Trying to Find Their Way Home. My name is Jen Cloer. I'm a uh, performer and songwriter um, living on unceded lands, uh, Wurundjeri lands in the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects uh, to their elders past and present, particularly on this auspicious day. Uh, where we are uh, deciding as a nation uh, whether there will be a voice to parliament in the colonised constitution. Um, I, uh, I feel like uh, being here today speaking about our native tongues, our mother tongues, is an act, as uh, Auntie Lou Bennett would say, of sovereign language rematriation. Um, and it feels like a beautiful way to meet uh, a day like today. Uh, we're still here. Uh, we're still practising our languages and our culture. Um, I'm going to uh, start by introducing my guests, and I want to make sure that I introduce them um, properly. So I am going to refer to my uh, laptop. Okay, so in the centre here, we have Uncle Kutcher Edwards, uh, a proud multi-multi, yorta-yorta and nari-nari man. He's a Music Victoria inductee to the Hall of Fame this year and winner of the Melbourne Music Prize, a dear friend and collaborator of the late Uncle Archie Roach and Uncle Jack Charles and a founding member of the legendary Black Arm Band. His new song, Mother Tongue, came out a couple of months back and he'll be performing it live for you later today. Oh, and you may also know him from his SBS NITV show, Kurioki, I mean, best name ever for a show, <laughs> where Kutcher drives around with First Nations artists, has a yarn, and yet, you guessed it, sings karaoke Kuri styles. Please welcome one of my heroes and national treasure, Uncle Kutcher Edwards. <laughs> At the end here, we have Alara Briggs Patterson, a proud Yorta Yorta woman, a songwriter, performer, and double bassist, as evidenced by her amazing double bass here on stage, which we'll be hearing later. Alara is a highly sought after collaborator, and I was lucky enough to see her performance of Wurukura Juunduk Balag, or Ancestors Are Calling, with her auntie Lou Bennett at Melbourne Museum last year. Please welcome Alara to our very special live podcast episode today. And next to me is Brianne Peters, a Kaitahu Nati Ruanui and Tiatiawa woman who was born and raised here in Nam, Melbourne. 
Brianne graduated from the Victorian College of the Arts Secondary School in 2021, where she studied classical and jazz guitar. At the ripe old age of 19, she has released a handful of singles in Te Reo Māori and recorded with the likes of the Teske Brothers and yours truly. In fact, Brianne came out on my recent national tour playing some of this continent's most iconic venues, including the Sydney Opera House. Please welcome Brianne Peters. <laughs> we are also joined today um, by Nay and Linda, who will be our Auslan interpreters. Uh, thank you so much, Ehoa. Kapai. <laughs> so, I'm going to get straight into it and address the elephant in the room with a question to you, Uncle Kutcher. It's referendum voting day. The whole country, 97% of whom are not Indigenous to these lands, will get to vote on whether your people, 2,600 generations strong, have a voice to Parliament embedded in the colonial constitution. What does Monday look like for you when we wake up? Either way, yes or no, what does your Monday look like? Uh, it's not... It's not an easy... Uh, question to answer. Um, I suppose my silence is telling you what my spirit is telling me. Uh, the silence that sometimes is needed when you sit with law men and law women, I remember I sat in my brother who called me this morning and I just couldn't answer the phone. Sammy Butcher. Sammy Butcher is the lead guitarist of Warumpi band. And I remember I sat in here, uh, not his house, his brother's house. My dear brother Brian, I hope I'm allowed to say his name. Brian was very sick at the time. And me and Sammy were, were sitting in the lounge room. And Sammy, Sammy had uh, about four months earlier had a stroke. So Sammy's sitting in his brother Brian's lounge room and he's playing Tetris on his phone to try and get his thumb working again. Because this is the one that does, this is the hand you should know. <laughs> this is the hand that does all the most of the work. So what he was doing was, was playing Tetris. Brian's wife, Lisa, kept on coming in and out of Brian's bedroom. And me and Sammy didn't speak. We didn't. But I knew what he was doing. There's a reason why I talk in this way. There's a method to my madness. But half an hour sort of goes by, 40 minutes, and Lisa came out for the, you know, 10th time. And, Sammy, your brother Kutcher's here. What are you doing? Why are you playing that? You should conversate with your brother. And Sammy turned around and said, Lisa, we have been conversating. We haven't verbalised the conversation, but we've been conversating. Mm. That gives you the answer to the question you've just posed. Yeah. And I'm getting chills as I speak. Mm. 
And as cultured people, we know what that is. The mould people have entered the space. I am guided by them, not my intellect. Hmm. I live in hope, Jen, you know, that someone will hear. I know my ancestors are listening, but are the people who are vested in the responsibility of a better tomorrow for us all, are they? Mm. It's not up to me to give anybody the answer. I hope that answers your question. I'll get back to work Monday. Yay or no? Yeah. Because that's my job. That's it. Yeah. I remember, uh, Kutcher, the first time I met you uh, was at the Spiegel tent for Uncle Jack Charles's um, run of shows, sold-out shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was probably about six or seven years ago now. Mm. And... um, you know, I, I didn't feel that I could really speak about my indigeneity because colonisation. Um, and, I, and I was a bit fuckama, you know, I had shame. And uh, I remember I got up and I sang a song called Strong Woman, which is about the women that I come through on my matrilineal side, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother. And after I played that song, you came up to me and just quietly leaned over and, and sort of whispered to my ear, you said, oh... I felt them. Mm. I felt them in the room when you were up singing that song. Mm. And I've got to say, it was such a gift to be seen in that way, for you to see my truth, even maybe a bit before I was able to own it. Um, and I just wanted to ask you, you know, it, it seems to have been your life work is, is bringing family home. Mm. It's not everyone's job, but it feels like, it's a job you've, you know, taken on. And when did you realise that? Hmm. You know, you're talking about our inter- interaction that evening. But I remember our first interaction. <laughs> and we were up the top of a... You and Alara? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forget that we're, <laughs> we're doing a podcast <laughs> as well. Sorry. Oh, good. Yeah, m- me and Alara, yeah. And was with uh, Alice Skye. And both learning about who they are and who, who they're connected to. And yeah, I, I, I look back and... Yeah, that moment, those moments where, yeah, the role of way beyond what it is that you do and you sit back and you... Because I have grandchildren now, you know. I have grandchildren who, who... yeah, and I go to the, I don't know, my, I, I end up going on tangents of, I follow my, uh, my dreaming, so to speak. And I go to their primary school and they, they walk, they, you know, they stand about here, but they walk about six foot when Poppy walks into the school, you know. <laughs> and then every Friday they, they project the revised national anthem uh, that myself and Judith Durham did mm. together and it gets projected and they are Australians, let us stand as one upon this sacred land. A new day dawns, we're moving. And they sing, they sing with gusto as Aboriginal kids, you know, because it resonates for them. And then they turn around and Poppy's standing behind him, yet he's on the screen. And you've got to take it out of the context of the individual. They will grow up and say to their friends who they're connected to. Mm. And I've sung in, you know, twice at Dreamtime at the G. 
And it's not about the 80,000 people in attendance. It's about those 300 Aboriginal kids who go to school on the Monday morning preceding that game and saying, did you see Uncle Kutcher? That's my uncle. And that's, that's what's happened with myself and Alara and Alice Skye and Bumpy and, and with my big brother gone and my little brother Jackie. The weight is heavy and I can feel it. But today that, that, that heaviness is... Now this is not to go out of this room, okay? <laughs> you promise me? <laughs> Even though it's on a podcast, <laughs> all right? I'm driving down uh, St George's Road and I get to North Fitzroy and I look in the rear vision of my, uh, my car and I'm sm- sort of smiling at myself and realising, ooh, <laughs> blow me down. I forgot to put my false teeth in. <laughs> I, get them all, I get all the uh, implants on Tuesday and, and so I'll have a proper smile. But uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have wanted to have seen me without uh, my teeth. The Savo, so. See how I go on tangents? Sorry, Jen. I didn't oh. even get you to answer. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's a welcome tangent. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. that image. Yeah. Uh, actually, it, it's kind of a good segue that you mentioned mm. Alara because mm. uh, I was reading Alara. I think it's sort of like a, a long-term project that you're working on, um, making a documentary about your family, which was sparked by your experience of working as a Koori Research Officer at the State Library of Victoria with Auntie Maxine Briggs, the Koori Librarian. Mm. Amazing. You began to investigate your family history together. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the process and how it felt to learn about your family in this way. Yeah. um, Thank you for asking. It's a topic that I try not to bring up um, too often (laughs) as it is one of my many unfinished long-term projects Um, but I actually met um, Arnie Max and got the job through um, the research of trying to understand and learn about my family and my cultural connections so I started this film with this other um, this other woman that I knew um, who I think was experiencing some experiencing whiteness and not feeling a sense of belonging in this place. And I think she kind of saw me really struggling with, oh, who am I? Like, where do I come from? Like, and I knew those answers, but I didn't know them with the many layers of what it is to be for me who I am. So I had these little layers, but I wanted to dig deeper. I didn't grow up knowing my grandfather, and so we kind of started there. Uh, We went for a trip to Shep and visited him and had these yarns about the Yorta Yorta native title claim and decided we'll make a documentary. Um, And at first it was going to be me kind of understanding the history, the political history, the spiritual history, the cultural connections to country and family, kinship. But what it became was me using the film as a tool to um, an activity to connect. Mm. But what I didn't realise is that I was already home, like after all of these years, like we started that about eight years ago, I was already home. I just didn't realise it yet. You know, I look back on that first day that I met Uncle Kutcher and I'm like, oh, that was that was coming home. Mm. And I think about when I met um, Arnie Lou Jecha at the um, 80th anniversary of the Kamra walk-off and that was coming home like there was no specific moment but all of the moments were the moment 
And so, yeah, the film is still not finished. <laughs> and I'm hoping to utilise the footage um, maybe for to finish that project or maybe evolve it into a different project. But, um, yeah, the home that I feel with the family here in this city and around the Rorandri, Rorang, um, Bunurang country is um, somehow a different kind of home than on my homelands. So it's been an interesting journey mm. realising that that's where I feel super connected mm. even though my homelands are Yorta Yorta country. Mm. You said something really beautiful in an interview with the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, I'm just going to quote um, what you said back in the past. I might disagree with it now, so <laughs> don't hold me to it. <laughs> You said, I wanted to show how important it is for us to know who our family is, to understand connections and kinship. I interviewed my auntie, my mum, and I also learned about the Yorta Yorta native title. The whole process of making the film gave me a lot more grounding in who I am. I wanted this documentary to be for young mob, to show them how you can reconnect. That feels like such a generous offering, an invitation for others to come home too. And I just wanted to just ask you a little bit, a, a bit more about that, that as you've embarked on um, feeling more at home, um, have people come into your life? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely been a journey, um, I think because I felt so disconnected as a kid, like the, I had these really strong, like my mum, Sue Briggs, is an amazing author of children's books and with um, her connections to her uncle, um, our uncle uh, Boydie, they, her and her writing partner wrote a bunch of books about um, mission life and growing up on the mission um, and with all beautiful pictures and stories and these readers were to help um, young Koori kids learn to read, being able to see themselves in the pictures and see their, you know, their aunties and uncles and their grandparents where they've, where they've come from. And so for us, like at me and my sister, as little ones, like we kind of always knew that we were Yorta Yorta from Kamra. Um, but because of the disconnection with the, the family – um, and, you know, not having that relationship with my grandfather or further extended family, only with a couple of different um, specific family members. I felt like when I finally moved to Melbourne and I started uh, meeting a few more blackfellas, I was like realising that I was related to heaps of people that I was meeting, but I couldn't understand what the connections were or how we were related and I was really confused and it made me feel like a fraud. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm black but I'm not because I don't know anything. So it was really, um, really stressful. Like I got a lot of anxiety and I didn't know how to fit in or how to talk about who my connections were. So, yeah, part of that journey with the film, I really wanted to properly understand and be able to know, you know, who were my ancestors? Mm. Who were my cousins? Who are my cousins? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's been like, yeah, just the most beautiful journey getting to know um, some, some cousins and aunties and cousin brothers and uncles that are um, like dis distantly blood related, but culturally like these people are people that are, are closer to me than... Um, than what I could have ever imagined or hoped for, for in terms of kinship mm. and other people that I call to for help or ask, you know, what do you think I should do about this or, you, you know, mm. so, yeah. yeah. I really relate. I think um, having a project like a documentary or a podcast as a, as a way of finding out more about who you are and where you come from can sometimes feel like... Um, just an easier way of going about it. And you get to go and hear stories, you know. And and that's what, you know, everybody's trying to find their way home is all about. It's just about uh, First Nations and Māori uh, speaking um, about the stories that have shaped, 
you know, their journey home to their culture and their language. Um, Brianne, just before when we were upstairs um, just having a little court at all, I hadn't seen you for a while, you were telling me that it feels like a blessing to be a Māori living on Aboriginal land right now at this time. Mm. And I wanted to ask if you could just tell us a little bit more about that for you, what that means. Yeah. Um, I feel being Māori here in Ahitereiria, um, on this whenua, on this land, um, also growing up in Nam, so disconnected from my, my culture, my Māori tonga, um, not having any inspiration or anyone to guide me in that way when I was growing up, um, seeing the impact that the rangatahi here, um, the, the young people, uh, our Indigenous kazis over here, the impact that they have um, on everything. They're so strong and they're so powerful and it's inspiring. It's really, really inspiring. And for me... Um, on the journey that I'm on with reconnecting back to my culture and, and learning about my whanau and learning about my whakapapa, um, seeing how the rangatahi here do that, knowing that we can exchange in that way, that we can kōrero and, and communicate in that way, um, seeing what they do on social media, the, the, the power that they have, it's really, really inspiring and it's really powerful. But it is a blessing to be here at this time. Um, yeah, it, it, it's also with the support that we have here in our community, in our Māori community over here, um, and the support that we have from the Tangata Whenua community over here as well. Um, not just for everyone, but but specifically for for our rangatahi. Yeah. Um, it's it's really beautiful to see them on the rise. And like you said, um, back in the green room as well, we're in good hands. It, it, it our future um, looks to be a really bright one. Mm. And knowing that we can all collaborate in that way and be whānau together and be connected and energetically as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a blessing. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, um, I was referring to a piece that Aretha Brown, otherwise known as Enter the Dragon, amazing um, artist, um, shared a piece that I'd recommend anyone go and read on Instagram about her position around the referendum but it is true you know like whenever I see people like Brie or Aretha you know the young people coming up I'm like we're all good like they're amazing we're in such good hands even though the world feels pretty shambolic I mean what a week honestly just going on social media at the moment is like you know you need a hall pass um just to escape it um I wanted to ask you, um, Brianne, um, just a little bit more about, you know, I think that's kind of something that I'm also interested in just, you know, uh, putting out into this room is, you know, for a long time I grew up identifying as an Australian, right, with really no idea, such a disembodied experience of like where I'd come from or who my people were and... Um, it was really only until I started to think more deeply, once my parents died actually, about where where did we come from? You know, like, what what is this Australian thing? You know, who, who am I? Why is there such an amnesia in this country around the real history, the truth? Why were we taught nothing in our colonial institutions about the first people? And as I started to go on that journey and connect with my own culture, predominantly my Māori culture, um, I'm also proudly Croatian and Irish, what I started to realise was that I didn't identify as an Australian anymore, that for me it was just such a vague and loose and strange term. 
But also as I started to connect into my own culture and show up and let go of the shame and embrace it and move past any of the, you know, racist ideas I might have in my head, I started to feel more at home here. I started to feel more connected into the lands here. I started to have a much deeper respect uh, for the lands that I walk on here as a guest, uninvited, but a guest. And I wanted to ask you, um, Brian, uh, how have you learnt to practice your culture respectfully on Indigenous lands that are not your own? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Yeah, because we have our tikanga, we have our stories, we have what what's normal to us as a, as a people and translating that and transforming that to be, um, just to still grow and learn and share over here in this whenua, um, but respectfully... Um, it's difficult because you don't know what the tikanga is over here until you, uh, unless you ask. Um, so I think one of the first performances I did for Kapahaka was at Amy Park for some rugby game. And um, Jiri Jiri were there, the, um, the Indigenous women's dance group. They were there um, performing with us as well. And after our performance, we all, got, we all did a porphyry after, um, had a good corridor, and, and they were telling us um, all, of these, all of these things. And, and this is stuff that I've, I've heard, like I was hearing for the first time because we didn't um, learn about the true history of, of this country um, growing up. So this was, I guess, the first experience I had with our tangata whenua. Um, and it was such a beautiful experience too. Um, but seeing the respect that they had for us and the respect that we had for them as well, um, seeing the support that they gave us, they actually said, you're welcome to practice whatever you like. I remember they, they said that and knowing how... Um, the feeling how supportive that felt and how comfortable I felt to, to be able to learn because mm. that was the first thing I thought of was how can I do this in a way that's not takahi um, kitemana, uh, um, stamping on their... Um, spiritual I guess the, power. Yeah, yeah, the spiritual power. Um but knowing that we have their blessing to do to do that, I guess also um, for me something that's difficult to comprehend is um, over here. Do I call this Fenua Papa Tuanuku? Mm. Um, because over here there is there's different creator spirits and um, different stories and similar concepts, but um, different entities and different energies. Um, so that's something that I'm still on that journey of discovering, um, mm. but not, not just respecting um, our tangata whenua culture in a way that's physical, but also energetically. Um, yeah, like how can I communicate with my atua, mm. but over here on this whenua? Mm. Or um, practicing things like modako and kapahaka, how can I do that? Um, energetically in a respectful way yeah um, and still connect to um, the atua that um, the higher powers that are involved in in those things yeah um, how can I connect to them on this whenua Rawe. Rawe. Mm. well this could be a good opportunity for you and I to get up and maybe <laughs> sing uh a waiata Māori, my first baby's pep, his first waiata Māori that I wrote with the help of Thea, um, an amazing Waikato Tainui uh, Māori songwriter and performer. Um, I came to her with the song written in English and um, she was able to translate it in a way um, that was grounded in having grown up with her language and culture. Um, Hetokotu moana means to stand like a rock in the ocean, weathering the storms of life like a warrior. Um, so we're just going to 
wander over there. We're going to sing you a waiata and then we're going to come back and um, we're going to hear more from uh, Uncle Kutcher about his life and also his song, which we're going to hear later on. So shall we do it? Ke tengi hate ahi o to wairu aetaku kairangi titiru fakarunga kua feturangi tiao ko matua. He toka moana, he ka whiro koe inga tuatea. He mapehi maurea, kara ina e tou ipukarea. Kiamo kwe ki nga kupu Ao tato tupuna He kakano iruya He taonga tuku ihu mairangi Atea He kurupona mukwe Kua whakatoka pua mo Ake tonue Kia mokwe Ki ngā kupu Ao tātou Kia mō koe ki ngā kupu Ao tātou Brian Peters <laughs> So, Kucha, mm. I wanted to ask you a little bit about when you, and you may not remember exactly, but when you started to feel your language on your tongue, when those words started to come into your body and into your mouth, uh, and what that felt like to bring that into your your craft as a songwriter and storyteller? When, when I was six, when I was six, I was in a grade one. And over the PA of the school at Wattle Park Primary School, uh, you Edwards kids, you have a visitor at Arana. Arana was the children's home in, in Burwood. And so we gathered at the general office and no sort of real indication of who, who was at Arana. They just said you had a visitor. So we... As a six-year-old, you're running, 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 running. Probably only two kilometres or less. But as a six-year-old, it feels like a marathon, you know. And we get through the door of Kawinda, the cottage we're living, and everybody's excited. And I'm cowering behind my older brother. Who's this? Dark Aboriginal woman. And they said, silly, that's our mother. 
And I sit here, uh, I turn 58 next month, and I feel so much... Um, I don't like talking about it, but I need to, to inform the uninformed. And, yeah, so my... Uh, Yeah, heading towards again the next day after she goes, you know. She's there for three hours and persuaded to go. Took her five hours to get there and only allowed to stay for three. And I've gone on to know who actually looked at their watch and said, uh, Mrs Edwards, you're on your way. And that person's a nice guy, but he, he had to do a job. And then seven years later, I get to go and live with my mum in Tarelgan, in East Gippsland. And um, like the Brady Bunch, you know, <laughs> there were three of her kids, our younger brothers and sisters already living there. So me, my older sister Maria and my older brother Wally, we get to live with mum. And I'm all of 13 years old. Mm. And this, this, this moment of, not physicality of connection, but this, Not a want, because it wasn't a want. It, it just happened. Where I think I got out of the intellect and into my spirit. And I said, Mum, Mum, Glenn Gordon, James Edwards, why did you... Why did you give me those names? They're my given names on my birth certificate, on my driver's licence, on my Australian passport. Why? Glenn is your... You've got two older cousins. Glenn Ross, your dad's sister's boy, Annie Laura... Glenn James, the famous umpire. They're your cousins, son. We gave you the name Glenn so you, we could continue uh, the kinship within our family. Gordon, who, who's Gordon, Mum? That's your dad's oldest brother, sibling. Gordon. He was an old coot too, Uncle Gordon. <laughs> He was an old grumpy old thing, but <laughs> he was an absolute gun shearer. My dad adored him. My dad loved him. And there's stories about my Uncle Gordon. When we got a... We had to flee Bell Randall because the welfare were coming. Uh, my Uncle Gordon, in those days, to have one car was amazing. Mm. My Uncle Gordon had two. That's how hard he worked as a shearer. Yeah. All my uncles on both sides, the Edwardses, the Murrays, the Kirbys, the Charleses. Gordon. James, why'd you name me James, Mum? Because my second father, her biological father, was born in the 1800s. William Murray, he passed away. And my nan, Alice Colger, married again to Poppy Yorkie Smith. His, his given name is, is James. So that's why we named you Glenn Gordon James. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I said, Mum, no due respect, uh, no disrespect. They're non-Aboriginal names. 
she thought about it. And she said, uh, so where are we going from here? What, what do you want? I said, I want you to call me Kutcher. Mm. I need you to call me Kutcher. Mm. This is a 13-year-old kid we're talking about. Why? I don't know why, Mum. I don't know why, but I... I I'm, and you look back, you look back in your journey and you realise that some of the decisions and the things you say are not even your thoughts. Mm. You're being divined by, uh, you said it before, Brett, you know. There's something that tells you way beyond the intellect. Now, I've gone on to travel the world Kutcher Edwards. And I heard a song from Frank Yammer, Kutcher Kuchu. And I sat down with my brother and said, Frank, what does, you sing this song, Kutcher Kuchu. What does Kutcher mean? He pitinjara said. He said, Kutcher means one. My very first uh, my very first class in Tarragon in secondary school was a humanities class. Humanities is, what, another word for English? He's this Aboriginal child loving humanities, loving English. I don't know <laughs> why <laughs> after all they'd done, but it's a different context. But... And the humanities teacher, I remember his name, Noel McMahon. He said, okay, students, what I want you to do is grab a pen and paper. And, I'm, and I ended up connecting with a, with a, who would become one of my best friends, George Cheryl Ambus, an Italian guy. I said, George, can you, you know any of these other kids in here? He ended up getting me a pen and paper. And I wrote a poem called My Favourite Drop. And it's so interesting when I look back. See, I'm holding a glass of water. It's <laughs> the irony, you know, in all what is portrays or plays out in my existence. This, this poem's called My Favourite Drop. It explains me. Now I have a saying, no, I'll, I'll do the poem first. No, I'll do the, I'll do the, uh, my mantra. My role in the whole scheme of what it is that I do, my job is to drop an imaginary pebble in an imaginary pond that creates a ripple. My logo has that ripple with a clapstick and a boomerang, which creates a K. And around the K, or around, yeah, the ripple, the K, are the words uh, love, justice, freedom, peace. We sing for love, we live for justice, we long for freedom, we dream of peace. That's the lyrics hmm. in uh, We Sing. But, and my nephew who made the logo, he says, Uncle Kutra, I'm sensing water in the logo. I said, Dixon, I got, got wild with him. I said, Dixon, <laughs> haven't you ever heard me say that mantra? He goes, that's it. That's, that's the logo, Uncle Kutra. But back to this poem. See, I'm, I'm, yeah, the question was so long ago, I'm forgetting the actual question. But uh, here's the poem. I just need to take. It's these bangs, these bloody days <laughs> that are not mine. 
the poem goes, trickling down the waterfall, freely one by one, forming into clouds of spray, glistening in the sun, crashing to disaster, my water drop is done, left the short life of loneliness and gathered back as one. That's a 13-year-old writing mm. that. The irony is the last word is kutcher. Mm. It is, it's crazy. Mm. But it's not. I knew. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. The hairs on my legs are standing upright. They're in the space. I know they're in the space. Mm. We know they're in the space. Mm. We just need to hear and understand those messages and interpret them so that we are guided in the right direction. Mm. But um, I don't know... I can't remember what the, end the question was. But no, that was a perfect answer. Yeah, yeah. That was a perfect answer and, and it kind of leads beautifully into uh, something that I heard. I was going to ask Alara. Mm. You both uh, at rehearsal at my place the other night, um, there was a word, I think in Yorta Yorta, which means deep listening. Mm. And uh, when I was speaking with your auntie, your Chechen, did I get that right? Checha. Checha. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Lou Bennett, Auntie Lou Bennett, uh, for this podcast. She was one of the, um, the OG. Um, she told me about this experience when she was making Wurukura, Junduk Balak, or Ancestors of Calling, where um, she was sitting with Taonga, precious objects um, from your tribal group. Um, uh, just in a room alone at the Melbourne Museum. And then she said, one of the objects started to move and just knocking, making this knocking sound, which she ended up recording and using in the piece that I saw you perform together at Melbourne Museum. But it feels like that work was informed, you know, by that deep listening. And I was wondering, Alara, before we get up and sing... Uncle Kutch's beautiful song, Mother Tongue. If you might just be able to tell me a little bit about that experience of working with your auntie and maybe if you could say the word for deep listening in Yorta Yorta. Um, yeah, Gopangawal um, is, is deep and listening, but it, it's, it's so much more than what the words represent in English. Gopangawal um, is like... Well, in, in Yorta Yorta Ngawal, there's Ngawal and Ngawa, and it's listening and looking, so that already says a lot. Um, but it's it's got to come from not just your eyes and your ears, but from your spirit, from the feeling of the air on your skin, from the smell and and feeling it in your lungs as connected to one another um, in reciprocity. And so it's, yeah, the, the term is something that um, Jecha pulled these words together and, you know, there's, it's a, it's a yorta yorta way of being and knowing. Um, and that's something that perhaps was said the same together um, by our ancestors. But as we go through the process of language rematriation, um, it's important to, um, you know, credit and, and understand who and, and what and how our languages are, are reawakening. Mm. Um, and, yeah, Dhamma Yambana. Uh, there's some words that I'll, I'll share as well um, later, but Dhamma Yambana, Banga, Gopangawal uh, is like 
listening to the old ones, to the ancestors um, in the wind, like mm. deep listening to them there. Um, so, yeah, it's the song that we're going to share that Uncle Kutch has been you know, so kind and gracious enough to um, offer us the opportunity to, to sing our languages together mm. is something um, that's what, for me, song uh, revival and, and song lines, that's what that is. And, um, yeah, it's it's just so deadly, us mob, Māori and um, First Nations mob here coming together and on these beautiful Kulin, Eastern Kulin Nations lands. Like, we're so lucky that we have one another and that we're continuously inspired by the strength um, and I think we have a lot to learn from each other, um, both both with languages. It's, it's obviously very different with over mm. 500 languages here. We have a bit to learn from you being the oldest uh, continuous living culture and we're like the youngest <laughs> as far as like Indigenous. But we live you know, so, so close to each other, you know, and, and I often think about that like it's so important that we – open up these conversations, these yarns, these corridor, these relationships, um, you know, on each other's lands and have that exchange, you know? Uncle, we're going to get up and uh, join you on your recent song, Mother Tongue. Um, before we do, was there anything you wanted to say about this song? This song, to be honest, I didn't write it. It was sent to me from a higher plane. But you will hear my interpretation of that same message through English until you get to the chorus and the chorus you as an audience need to participate uh, once the BVs get into uh, the chorus. Uh, the word is Jidang DJI. D U N G Jidang. But you need to uh, not just interpret, you need to enter into that space of, of deep listening. Jirang, jirang, jirang. And when you get into that, into that rhythm, it's like a, a, a Buddhist, or what's the other one? Buddhist, uh, om. Om, and the resonance of the, of the of the note itself, so jirang jirang jirang. Oh, you'll you'll get it once you hear it. Sorry, I'm making you think a bit too much. <laughs> Yow. Shall we do it? Mother tongue, folks. On a mountain top, while the world loses control, searching for the answer, 
need to cleanse the soul I hear those voices calling From near and from afar Surrounded by the ancestors I wonder who they are I can hear My mother tongue I can hear my mother tongue. We all need to listen deeper, Kalpanyawan. For there's a rustling in the trees, and the wind just keeps on calling. Feel it in the breeze The flowers, they stand upright But slowly lean towards the sun And as we look upon Our beautiful country Realize what's been done I can hear my mother tongue I can hear my mother tongue May first Didang, 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 didang Didang, 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 didang Didang, 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 Jirang, 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 jirang
Girang, 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 girang. Edwards, Alara, Brianne Peters, thank you so much for coming. Jen Clower. You've been listening to a live recording of Jen Clower's podcast, Everybody's Trying to Find Their Way Home, featuring Kutcher Edwards, Alara, and Brianne Peters. This episode was recorded at the Capitol on Saturday the 14th of October 2023. Presented in partnership with RMIT Culture as part of Spring Fling. Spring Fling was proudly supported by the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria and the Melbourne City Revitalisation Fund. A special thanks to official bookseller Readings and accommodation partner The Sofitel. The Wheeler Centre podcast is produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. You can listen to more podcasts or explore videos, news and our full calendar of events at wheelercentre.com.